What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Dolphins In-Depth Podcast. I'm Daniel Ifusi. Thanks so much for tuning in. And I'm back with a special podcast recording a couple of days after the start of free agency. It's been a crazy, crazy time in the NFL with a lot of big moves, teams making some big signings, some big trades. Uh, the Dolphins have not been sitting on the couch too much. They've been making some signings too, announcing a lot of uh, additions to the team for the 2022 season. Uh, and I'm sure they're not done yet. But but at this point, two days past the official start of the new league year, four days past the start of uh, the legal negotiating or tamping period, uh, we're going to discuss some of the moves that the Dolphins have made and kind of project what may be next. Uh, so in the past pod, we talked a lot about uh, the Dolphins' moves prior to the start of free agency, which uh, mainly included putting the franchise tag on Mike Gusecki, which is expected to keep him in Miami for the 2022 season. Um, and the Dolphins got right to it right before the start of free agency um, with signing and locking up Emmanuel Agba to a four-year deal. Um, there was some, you know, maybe speculation that he was going to leave the team just the way things were heading with him not reaching uh getting the franchise tag um, and, you know, the negotiations coming up to the final minute, but they were able to lock him up. Um, so he's staying in Miami for the foreseeable future. But I really want to start on the offensive side of the ball where the Dolphins have made most of their big moves to date. And I'm going to start with the two running back signings that they have officially announced. They officially announced a whole bunch of moves, a whole bunch of signings on Thursday, but I'm going to start with the running backs because this obviously is going to be a run-centric offense with new coach Mike McDaniel. And the first First signing, the first free agent signing that came out on Monday was the signing or agreement of terms uh, with former Arizona Cardinals running back Chase Edmonds. Now, this was a signing that um, he was a name that I knew of. I knew that he was going to be available, but I, I wasn't sure if the Dolphins were going to target him. But when you really look behind the, the weeds, I mean, this is a really, really interesting signing because of his versatility and his uh, ability to be dynamic, not only as a runner, but as a pass catcher. Uh, there's some stats from Next Gen Stats that uh, show that he hit 15 miles per hour on 23.3% of his carries in 2021. And that was the most among all running backs with at least uh, 100 attempts. So he's a really fast guy. If he gets out into the open space, uh, he might be able to take it the distance. And I think that that speed and that dynamic ability um, that explosiveness was something that was severely missing in this Dolphins offense, whether that was from its right receivers, from its pass catchers. They just didn't have the ability to keep up with some of the, the better offenses in the NFL. And Chase Edmonds is a guy who can do a lot of really good things with the ball um, if you get it to him. And you can get it to him in a lot of different ways. So I think this is a really nice um, and a really interesting signing for this Mike McDaniel-led offense that we know is really going to be predicated on that zone, run, zone running scheme finding those cracks, those holes um, in the blocking um, and kind of, you know, hitting the hitting the hole and, and going upfield. So that is a really interesting signing. Um, he's, a, he's, a, he's an efficient runner. He averaged five point yards per carry in 2021. So he makes the most of his carries. I'm not going to get into the deep, deep uh, stats about um, rushing yards over expected, but he's a really efficient runner. Um, and you just, we just didn't see that a lot in the, the running back backfield in 2021 with the Dolphins. Um, so again, that was the first signing that was announced um, in terms of the, the terms being agreed. Um, and I think that it's really going to be an interesting uh, signing in the different ways that Mike McDaniel can use him. You know, this is a running back by committee offense. I mean, if you look at McDaniel's history, in San Francisco. Um, he didn't usually 
rely on a bell cow. Um, but these running backs are still very important in his offense. And Edmonds is a guy that can line up in the backfield. He can spread out wide and kind of run some routes. So it's going to be interesting uh, to see how McDaniel uses him. The second running back uh, that I want to talk about that the Dolphins announced was the signing of Raheem Mostert. Um, and some Dolphins fans might remember that name. Once upon a time, he, he had a really short stint in Miami. Um, team uh, waived him and he was acquired off waivers and left Miami. Um, but he was definitely a name that I saw. Um, and, and I thought that the, um, the Dolphins might be able to bring him in just because of his connection to Mike McDaniel and his familiarity with that zone running scheme. He has had a lot of uh, injury problems in the past couple of years. Um, in 2021, he only played one game because of a knee cartilage issue um, that knocked him out for the rest of the season. But I mean, when you look at him, he has that home run threat. I know I talked about Edmonds having it. But Mostert really, really has it. He has, I mean, I, I want to say it's close to track speed when I look at him on the field. He has track speed in a football uniform. Um, there were some interesting comments from one of his old teammates now, Trent Williams from, from the 49ers on the I Am Athlete podcast. Um, he said that Raheem Mostert is like the new age Chris Johnson in terms of just his acceleration and his ability to, to find the hole and, and just hit it and, and separate from um, defenses. And while I'm not saying that Raheem Mostert is going to be Chris Johnson, I mean, I tend to agree in the numbers uh, do back it up. According to Next Gen Stats, um, Raheem Mostert is responsible for two of the fastest speeds as a ball carrier since 2018. So if you look up Raheem Mostert highlights on YouTube, I mean, you're going to see a lot of speed. You're going to see him outrunning defenses. And again, the Dolphins desperate, desperately need that. Um, too often, they really relied on Jalen Waddle to be their primary you know, playmaker. They need other guys who can just make a play and create um, and, and make big plays. You know, they the Dolphins really lacked most big plays. We talk so much about how in 2021, Tua and the offense had to drive 10, 12 yards, eight, um, excuse me, 10, 12 plays, 80 yards just to score a touchdown. Um, and you want to have an offense that, you know, can kind of shorten those drives, can go six plays, seven players, maybe even three plays and get a really explosive play that that you take to the house. Um, most of it is that guy and he can do that. Again, it's a big if, if he's healthy if he can stay on the field which he hasn't been able to do consistently but again uh it seems like it's going to be a, about a one-year deal three million dollars um not a huge huge investment in in this contract and it's one of those situations where again if he can stay healthy um you have a really really dynamic and explosive running back who knows this scheme you know like the back of his hand he spent the past couple of years in this system in san francisco and if he's on the field and if he can stay on the field i think the dolphins are going to have a really dynamic running back room again um this isn't going to be a one player bell cow running back um system you know they're going to have Chase Edmonds, um, Raheem Mostert, potentially Miles Gasman and Savon Ackman, maybe even somebody else in the draft uh, in the middle or late rounds of the draft come in and also contribute. Um, but I really do like the way they've kind of diversified the skill set of this running back room. Next, I want to talk about uh, wide receiver uh, Cedric Wilson Jr., who was signed uh, from the Dallas Cowboys, um, had a lot of success in Dallas, even with a lot of really talented skill position players on that team. He really thrived in 2021 with some injuries to that wide receiver core. Um, he's worked ex exclusively in the slot in Dallas, but I think that speaks more to the talent that was surrounded around him as opposed to his own skills. Um, and he really did excel in the slot. He averaged um, 3.5 yards of separation. Um, you know, per target, um, which was 13th among the receivers. Um, I think that, again, he's a really effective in the slot. I don't think that he's going to be limited to the slot. 
But um, just the success that he's had lining up inside, I think that's going to allow Mike McDaniel to move Jalen Waddle Waddle around a lot more. Um, You know, Jalen Waddle isn't just a slot receiver. Um, I think that he was kind of reserved to that or resigned to that role in 2021 just because of the limitations of this offense. But now that you have a guy in Cedric Wilson who can work the slot, work the middle of the field, hopefully that opens up some stuff for Jalen Waddle, um, especially downfield, which we didn't see enough in 2021. Um, and the team is also um, expected to sign Trent Sherfield, um, who spent uh, he spent the 2021 season with uh, McDaniel in San Francisco. So he knows the offense as well. I would expect that this is more somebody that's going to fight for um, a spot as one of the final receivers on the roster and mainly contribute on special teams. But again, he's a wide receiver that's going to come in and know the system um, and maybe potentially contribute um, if the Dolphins need him to. Um, and next, I want to talk about another Dallas Cowboys uh, player. The Dolphins were kind of double dipping with uh, Dallas players, and they might get another one that we're going to talk about later. Um, but Connor Williams, an offensive guard that they signed. I know that there was a lot of clamoring for signing an offensive guard, an offensive lineman, an offensive tackle. The Dolphins started that. They got their uh, guy so far in Connor Williams. Um, he's a, a young ascending lineman who can start at guard, but he's also played tackle in high school. He's uh, uh, excuse me, he's played tackle in college. And he's also split some time at center. Um, he's just 24 right now. He's going to be 25 at the start of the season. So um, again, with not only Connor Williams, but um, Cedric Wilson with Chase Edmonds, you see this kind of trend of the Dolphins kind of um, banking on upside and getting guys who, you know, just got off their first, uh, their first rookie contract, their first deal. Um, you know, they, they think that there's still projection to, to higher level of play down the um down the road and Connor Williams fits that mold. Um, he did have um, some holding issues in 2021 that got him benched for a couple of games. Um, but prior to 2021, I mean, he didn't really have an issue um, with penalties and he was one of the best linemen when he wasn't holding uh, players. Um, he rated out by Pro Football Focus um, as the 11th best guard in 2021. He was a top 10 run blocker and a top 15 pass blocker. Um, just a really, really solid guy that, I mean, he seems like you're going to slot him and project him to be the starting left guard right now. Um, and, you know, whether Robert Hunt starts at right guard, maybe you have the, the guard spots settled down, maybe Robert Hunt moves to right tackle. But now, again, you start to, you start to secure some spots on the offensive line, and it's like, you don't have three issues on the offensive line or four issues on the offensive line. Maybe you just have two or three out to figure out. We're going to talk a lot more about um, what the Dolphins can probably do at offensive tackle. But again, getting a starting caliber offensive lineman, it was very, very crucial. Um, and getting multiple, I thought was crucial. Um, but again, Connor Williams, is a guy that comes right in. He can start from day one. If you need him to move and play tackle, potentially, I think that he could do that in a pinch. Um, but now, I mean, you have two definite starters and now you got to figure out the center spot potentially in those tackle spots, but we're going to talk about that later. Um, the next guy on the list that I want to run through is Alec Engle, um, fullback from the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, we all knew that it wasn't, this wasn't a, a real sexy position um, for fans to look into, but it was definitely a position that uh, Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins were going to look into. I know they signed John Lovett a couple weeks ago, um, but Alec Engle is an established um, fullback. There's not a lot of them, but he is an established fullback. Um, and I think that he fits what this offense wants to do a lot. If you look back at the San Francisco 49ers with um, Kyle uh, Juszczyk, um, they moved him a lot 
uh, moved him around a lot in motion. Obviously, he was a lead blocker in that zone running scheme, but they also kind of flexed him out a lot. You know, he lined up out wide, he lined up in the slot, um, he'd run routes and, uh, and catch passes, and Ingle can do that. You know, he's a fullback. Yes, he's going to block. He's going to hit some guys and open up some holes, some running lanes, um, but he can move a little bit and catch as well, too. So it's a situation where just because Alec Ingle is on the field, that doesn't just mean that the Dolphins are going to be running the ball. You're going to see a lot of uh, passes to the flat, some wheel routes, some angle routes coming out of the backfield. And I think that, again, you're just going to kind of add more diversity and more elements to this offense that defenses have to account for. So again, it's a it's a low profile signing. It's not going to go. Um, it's not going to be on the ESPN tickers and whatnot. But this position and that fullback position is definitely a crucial signing uh, for what Mike McDaniel wants to do in Miami. Um, the last offensive signing that I'm going to talk about is Teddy Bridgewater, the hometown kid coming back to Miami um, to back up to a tongue Loa. Um, Mike McDaniel did say that the Dolphins were going to be in the market for a quarterback and a veteran one at that. And they got their veteran guy. I was actually, I was actually kind of surprised at the signing. Um, I, I thought that, you know, there was going to be a market for Teddy Bridgewater as a starter. Obviously he's um, had stints in um, obviously Denver, New Orleans, Minnesota and whatnot. Um, so I really thought that there was going to be a team that potentially signed Teddy um, to, to be a starter, but he finds a really nice spot at home to back up Tua Tungvaloa. Um, and, and obviously with Tua's kind of uneven injury history as a possibility of um, Teddy Bridgewater coming in to start Um and if he needs to do that, I think he's very capable. Um, you know, he, he's he's won games in the NFL. Um, but if he doesn't have to start, then you have a veteran guy who can kind of mentor Tua. I think that by all accounts, he seems like a really good teammate. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think that this is a situation where, you know, Teddy Bridgewater is coming in to take to a spot. I think it's pretty clear that at least for the 2021 season, Tua Tungabaloa is the starter, but you definitely want somebody who can um, step in and get the job done if your starter goes down. I think Teddy Bridgewater is definitely an upgrade over uh, Jacoby Brissett. I think he's going to be supportive of Tua, but he's also going to be able to come in um, and, you know, move the offense and get the offense going if in the event that he has to, you know, turn out and be QB one. Um, so that was a really shrewd move right there. Again, I just not, that was not a quarterback that was on my radar in terms of somebody to back up to a tongue by law. Um, but I think that it was probably one of the best signings of the off season so far for the dolphins. Um, so this was a really, um, this was a really de- uh, offense heavy, you know, first few days of free agency for the Dolphins. And I think that it kind of falls in line of the, um, the, the moves that, you know, the kind of the vision that the team had and they kind of spoke of in the weeks prior. I mean, I think that even with the moves on the coaching staff, keeping Josh Boyer, keeping a lot of those defensive assistants, um, you saw the moves that they made in the first couple of days of free agency with not only uh, re-signing Emmanuel Agba, but re-signing their entire linebacker core, you know, Duke Riley, Sam McGuavin, um, Alandon Roberts, Brennan Scarlett. I mean, you saw that this was viewed as a defense that didn't really need to be tinkered too much. Um, and they're bringing the game back together, you know, whether for, for better or for worse, they're bringing the game back together and they're really revamping this offense. Um, so again, you really saw the vision of this team so far in the opening days of free agency. Um, Will not really making a big move on defense bite them. Um, I'm not sure. We're going to find out. I know a lot of fans were kind of hoping that the Dolphins would have targeted an inside linebacker to play next to um, Jerome Baker and let him kind of move on to the outside. It doesn't seem like 
Um, the Dolphins saw that as big of a need as some people, um, some other people may have, but that's their prerogative. That's the vision that they saw. And again, I think that you really do see the um, you really do see the vision of the team in the first couple of days of free agency. I mean, the moves that they made are not by accident. There's a reason why all the street free agents outside of Keon Crossing um, that they brought in have been on the offensive side of the ball. So again, um, they're keeping it locked and keeping it together on defense. They're revamping the offense. Um, and we're going to see where that takes them in 2022. We're going to take a short break, uh, but when we come back on the other side of things, uh, we're going to talk about something that I know that has been really uh, kind of getting under the skin of Dolphins fans. It's been frustrating uh, some of the, the fins up faithful, uh, and that's the Dolphins' lack of movement in getting an offensive tackle. So we're going to talk about that and uh, potentially what's next for the team on the other side of things. So stay locked with us. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's going on, everybody? Uh, still talking Dolphins free agency here on the Dolphins in Depth podcast. I broke down some of uh, the Dolphins signings and my thoughts in the first half of things. Uh, but in the second half of the pod, we're going to talk about, like I said, something that I know has really been upsetting, frustrating, irking, vexing Dolphins fans in the opening days of free agency. And that is the Dolphins lack of movement on the offensive tackle market. Uh, obviously, offensive tackle, both sides, left and right tackle, was seen as the Dolphins' biggest weakness entering the offseason. And to date, as I'm recording this pod Thursday night, the Dolphins still do not have a new offensive tackle on the roster. So I know a lot of fans are saying, what is going on? Why don't we have an offensive tackle? Why is Jesse Davis still the right tackle? I know I've heard it all. I've heard of all heard it all on Twitter. I've tried to break it down, make sense of it. Um, and I know there's a lot of frustration out there, but if I can kind of talk Dolphins fans off the ledge, I, I kind of pride myself on that. I, you know, I try to be the voice of reason, try to be the optimist, um, as uh, to balance out some of the pessimism, um, that's and cynicism that's out there. I will say there still are some names, and I think that really there's a lot of names out there. Um, there has not been a total, you know, a ton of movement on the offensive tackle front um, for whatever reason. Uh, obviously, I know there's some speculation about Teron Armstead from the New Orleans Saints and maybe his holdup as he monitors the Deshaun Washington situation. Um, but he's, you know, arguably the top free agent tackle um, in this year's uh, this year's free agency cycle, and he has not been signed. Um, I'm still I'm not completely sure of the Dolphins cap situation. It looks like they are definitely under $20 million. Um, so they might, you know, they might have to do some 
some some cap maneuvering to, to fit um, Toronto Armstead under, you know, in their salary cap situation. But again, he hasn't been signed. Um, he's somebody that's been linked to the Dolphins since the start of free agency. Eric Fisher from the Colts, um, Trent Brown from the New England Patriots. Those guys haven't been signed. Um, Dwayne Brown, I believe, is still on the market. Um, so again, there are a lot, a lot, a lot of names that the Dolphins could still target, pursue, and eventually sign and bring in to protect Tua Tungabaloa, which I know is the chief concern of Dolphins fans after seeing what he had to go through in 2021. Um, the biggest name that, or I guess the name that's been most recently um, linked to the Dolphins recently um, is also available. Lyle Collins recently just got released from the Dallas Cowboys on Thursday after uh, Dallas failed to find a trade partner. And, um, you know, my colleague Barry Jackson reported that there is mutual interest um, between the Dolphins and Collins. But obviously, um, if you haven't heard or if you have heard, um, NFL Network reporter that the Cincinnati Bengals have actually brought in Lyle Collins for a visit uh, Thursday. He's going to be spending Friday with the organization um, with the potential to get a deal done. So I know that when Dolphins fans saw that, I know a lot of Dolphins, Dolphins fans were sick to their stomach. I'm sorry you had to see that. We'll see what happens on that front. And obviously, we'll be reporting on that at the Miami Herald. But again, uh, Lyle Collins is available. Um, there is some type of um, connection between him, or there's a, there is a connection between him and Cincinnati's offensive line coach, who was the Dallas um, offensive line coach for the first three years of Collins' career. Um, so again, there is that connection right there. But the Dolphins do have interest in Lyle Collins, and we'll see where that goes right there. Um, but one thing I want to kind of reiterate in, you know, previous reporting and, you know, being on this pod and kind of my predictions, um, I, I never got the sense that this offensive line was going to, like, undergo this huge overhaul. Um when you you listen and read comments from Mike McDaniel, Chris Greer at the NFL Combine, um, they understood that offensive line was a weak point for this group. But again, they really, really emphasized that they remain bullish on this young group that includes guys like Robert Hunt, Liam Eicherberg, and Austin Jackson, um, the latter two who didn't really have great seasons in 2021, um, but are high draft picks. And again, um, whether you agree with it, whether it's right, whether it's wrong, it's the Dolphins' prerogative that they don't want to give up on these young guys. I mean, they don't want to give up on Liam Eichenberg after one year. That's just not um, that's just not reasonable. It's just not likely. Um, they don't want to give up on Austin Jackson after two seasons, although I know a lot of Dolphins fans want to do that. The Dolphins are just not uh, of that mindset right now, and they believe that with Mike McDaniel, with Frank Smith, who has had success developing guys um, in, in Los Angeles, with Matt Applebaum, who has a history of developing offensive linemen that have gone to the NFL back in Boston College. I mean, they believe that this group is salvageable. Um, and, and whether or not you agree with it, I mean, that's just that just seems like that that's that's their belief. Um, you know, I don't think that that's the reason why we haven't seen too much of a of of a movement on the offensive tackle front. I do think that they are scouring the market and they are in search for veteran linemen. Um, but again, um, I think that there's definitely a balance. You know, I, one thing that stood out to me um, 
in my interview, my one-on-one interview with Mike McDaniel at the at the combine, was that he said, "Hey, um, we have we're excited about some of these young guys who are on this team, but at the same time, we're not going to put up, we're not going to put blinders on." So I think that there is a balance. You know, they're not going to bring in five new guys on the offensive line, um, but at the same time, they are going to develop or try to develop the guys on the roster with the mindset that if there is um, an option, a veteran option in free agency that they can bring in at the right value. They're not going to overpay and what you're going to get to in a second. They they're, haven't shown the the willingness to overpay significantly um, for anybody in this free agency cycle. They can get a guy at the right price. They're going to bring him in, whether that's to be an immediate starter, whether that's to compete, because I do think there's going to be a lot of competition this summer. Um, they definitely are looking for options. I know that Dolphins fans are upset that um, and they're frustrated that the moves haven't come, you know, the, in the early days of free agency. Um, but again, and I know that I know that the front office hasn't necessarily given itself the benefit of the doubt. Um, but again, I don't think that they're just sitting on sitting on their hands and twiddling their thumbs. I think that they are um, looking for some options again. We'll see what happens with the Collins situation. We'll see what happens with the Armstead situation. We'll see whether they get a guy like Fisher Brown or um, Trent Brown or Dwayne Brown. Um, but again, I don't think that the Dolphins are done um, making moves, especially when it comes to paying better and offensive linemen. Um, but really, I think the main point I think the main point that I kind of got from this and what I've always believed is that, um, you know, the Dolphins with when they entered free agency with their league leading cap space and and it came down once they um, put the franchise tag on Mike Gusecki, but they still had about $15 million to spend. Um, I got the sense that, yes, they did talk about being aggressive, but Chris Greer spoke a lot about being being you know smart in that spending um you saw the jacksonville jaguars throw out a boatload of money to christian kirk and say jones and all these guys and just kind of spend a lot a lot of money and and you know in the the viewpoint of many they overspend and kind of kind of priced up kind of drove up the market with the way that they um kind of kind of went overboard and spending money for guys um, the Dolphins, again, you haven't really seen any examples of that in this free agent cycle. Um, for the most part, these have been really, really modest deals outside of Emmanuel Agba, who got like $16 million per year. And outside of him, you're seeing a lot of two-year deals, a lot of three-year deals with the cap breakdown. Um, you're seeing way, um, situations where they can get out of these contracts after one or two years, and they're giving themselves a lot of flexibility, which is something that Chris Greer did also speak about at the NFL combine, but obviously it didn't get the, the attention that, you know, the, we will be aggressive comments got, um, again, I think that they saw a situation where they wanted to add to this roster. They wanted to find guys who were scheme fits, but they did not want to overpay for one singular player. Um, you know, I think that this is definitely, um, a scheme or just, you know, a mindset with Mike McDaniel where it's like no one player makes the scheme, you know, it's, it's a collaborative effort. So they're not going to overpay and overindulge and spend all their money on one position or one player to try to make this scheme work. They're going to find guys who fit specific roles, who can play multiple roles and who fit this scheme. And I think that we've seen that um, with a lot of these different signings. Now, what does that mean for potentially signing a guy like Teron Armstead, who, Again, he's the top offensive tackle um, on the market. 
I'm not sure. I mean, it's been very, very quiet on the offensive tackle front, which is why I again say, um, you know, let's let's pump the brakes, let's, let's take a step back, take a deep breath, and see what happens over the coming days. Um, but again, I think that you're seeing a lot of more frugal spending um, in terms of you know the individual contracts, um, and you know I think that I think it's wise. I, I know that there are a lot of um, there's been a lot of movement. There's been a lot of splash and big moves, especially in the AFC West, where, you know, we just saw Thursday night, um, the Raiders trading for Devontae Adams, um, the the Los Angeles Chargers um, getting Khalil Mack and JC Jackson, um, the Denver Broncos getting Russell Wilson, just making a lot of big moves. I know that when you see that, when you see uh, other teams do that, it kind of makes you antsy because you're saying like, why can't my team, why can't my organization do organization do that? And while again, you're, it's right to question that. I will say, you know, the you know Super Bowls aren't won in free agency. We've seen a lot; they're not won in the offseason. We've seen a lot of scenarios um, where teams have spent a lot of money, and you know they've doled out a lot of money in free agency for short-term success, but it hasn't translated to long-term success. Um, and at the end of the day, I do think that the biggest improvement that we're going to see from this move from this team again. The moves that we've seen so far, the signings, they're fine. They're good. I think they've addressed needs. But I think that the biggest improvement that we're going to see from this team is obviously with Tua Tungabailoa and this offensive line and really the way that they can develop these young guys. Um, ideally, you'd like to see them bring in, um, you know, maybe one or two more established veterans to really, really solidify that group. We'll see what happens. But again, I think that really the main source of improvement is going to come internally from what some of these younger guys on the offensive line can do in year two, year three, year four, and ultimately what Mike McDaniel, Daryl Bevel, Frank Smith, that offensive coaching staff can do with Tua Tungabailoa in terms of getting him comfortable with this new system, system getting him um, just up to speed, knowledgeable, um, and just feeling confident in running this system. Because again, it comes down to the quarterbacks. Um, you know, you can surround a lot of team you can surround your entire team with a lot of talent we've seen teams like the like the um i mean the 49ers with jimmy garoppolo we've seen with the cleveland browns and baker mayfield just surround themselves with a lot of talent but at the end of the day if you don't have the quarterback that can get you um to the promise land and, and win you big games you're not going to go very far so at the end of the day that's what it's really going to come come down to i know that fans would like to see the dolphins ideally spend um you know their money and kind of more splash moves and get more, um, again, more veteran offensive linemen, more really, really solid pieces to round out this roster. But I think, again, once again, at the end of the day, um, where we see the real source of improvement is going to come internally from not only Tua, but that O-line. Um, so again, we'll see what happens. Um, it's four days into, you know, I'll call, I'll just call it the starter free agency on Monday, four days from then when teams um, can have the ability to start negotiating with, um, with free agents. The Dolphins have made their share of moves so far. They're not done. They still got money. They're still roaming around to look for improvements. So we'll see what happens. And uh, we'll, we'll see if they finally get that veteran offensive tackle to kind of um, calm down the nerves of uh, some Dolphins fans out there. Uh, but that brings us to the end of another edition of the Dolphins In-Depth Podcast. Uh, I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, been a real busy. I say it every week and I say this every week. Um, been a real whirlwind process uh, this entire offseason. Free agency. I know it's kind of settled down on Wednesday, Thursday. Um, but again, I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of moves on the horizon and, and we'll be here at the Miami Herald to cover it um, all the way through. 
Um, so I'll be back next week to discuss the latest Dolphins moves and what's been going on around the NFL. Um, but until then, you guys take care. If you're uh, Canes fans, hopefully they advance to the second week, uh, second weekend of NCAA tournament. If you're a fan of any other teams in the NCAA tournament, uh, I wish you all the best. Uh, and we'll be back to talk Dolphins next week. You guys take care. Bye.